Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. Join us as we deep dive into the historic, religious, cultural, political, and emotional context surrounding the real lives of real people in the Bible and the stories we've all grown to love. Hello and welcome back to Real Bible Stories. I am your host, Imran Ward. And we are joined by my wife, Selena. Hello. And for this next upcoming series, we are joined by Pastor David Squires. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah. We'll be to back. Be back. Yeah. It's been about a year now, maybe. No, I don't think so. I think it was around, no, it was around January. It was January that yeah. you were on it. Yeah. So a little bit under a year since uh, we've had Pastor David Squires on the, uh, on the podcast here. Um, but for those that are just tuning in or haven't met you before, um, Pastor David is the head pastor at Palms Church, who we're partnered with to kind of produce this broadcast, and Pastor Ryan Brown, who is the typical teacher on it. He is also one of the pastors at the church. So um, while Ryan is teaching Bible study during the kind of weekly uh, Bible study that we do at the church, now Pastor David is going to teach a couple um, lessons over here on the podcast. It's so fun. He and I just trade off. And so I'll teach Bible study for a while, and he'll do the podcast, and we just get to trade. I'm so excited about this upcoming series because it's literally, when we talk about stories of the Bible, we're doing stories behind the story. Yeah. So one of our big mission points of the Real Bible Stories podcast is to hit at the kind of background, history, context, cultural relevance of the Bible in in the day and how that plays into kind of how we live our lives today. So this next series we're going to be doing with Pastor David, which is the story behind the story, is really deep diving into the, some of the specific characters that we learn about in the gospel and looking at some of their history, some of how they how they grew up, what they, the context they were going through at the time that the scripture was being written about them. We should go be like, we're going to be really deep. And the truth is we're going to have so much fun and we're going to be really deep. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to like, this is the stuff that just feeds you in Bible study. Exactly. And I, I always think that this is the context that makes the Bible like, makes sense. Yeah. Cause it's like, if you read the Bible on its own, um, you're like, okay, that was a great story, but how mm-hmm. do I know it's true? And it's like, well, diving into this, these types of like story behind the story, the history, the context helps, um, legitimize the story that we know to be true or the book that we know to be true, which is the Bible. What we mm-hmm. want to do is chase some stories that you, if we chase these through the Bible, you'll see it kind of woven together, but you don't just get one passage that puts this whole thing together. Yeah. And so we'll look at like Aquila and Priscilla or at John Mark or the apostle John, what happened to John? Where were, where, who was the community John was connected to? And all these little behind the scenes things that end up in our new Testament. So we're just going to chase the story behind the story. Yeah. And I'm super excited. And I, and I love everything about that. Cause this is, this is going to be a series that is perfectly in line with like what real Bible stories is about. I'm fired up. All right. So who is our first, uh, kind of character or person that we're going to be diving into today. We are looking at a young man named John Mark. John Mark. John Mark and how we got the gospel of Mark. Where did this thing come from? I was going to ask, like, are we talking about the gospel of Mark or the gospel of John? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I guess John Mark, because he's got two names, you could could go, wait, which one is it? This is going to be Mark. Mm -hmm. And then a little bit later on, we'll do John. Okay. So, um, I think when you think about somebody like John Mark, you're really looking at somebody who is young. He starts out young in the the Bible and the stories that we encounter him. I like it because so often the Bible talks about how young people are used. And we don't think about that often. Think about uh, David. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was 17 when he went to fight Goliath. Samuel was just a boy when he was called by God. Yeah. We talk about Mary. Mary was probably a teenager, Mm -hmm. right? 
so many people. Uh, Jeremiah was young when God called him. Yeah, so, even most of the disciples in general, they were pretty young, right? It's like, wasn't Peter the oldest? Like, he was, cause, well, we know he was because he was married, but we tend to think of the disciples as these old guys with bald spots. That's how they paint them. Yeah. The disciples were probably older teenagers. So they would have completed um, their work with Hebrew school, their, their work as children. And then what we call college, they would have attached themselves to a rabbi. Yeah. So some of them had already attached themselves to John the Baptist, then they switched over to Jesus. Think of Jesus like graduate school. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, these are young men. It's before you're fully employed, you go and you attach yourself to a rabbi and you learn. So it makes sense now some of the fights they had, who are the greatest. They're just young man fights. They're yeah. they're. They're not men in their thirties. Um, they're they're Who's young the guys. Who's the greatest among us? It's like, of course, that's what like a teenager it is. Be arguing about. Yeah. With, with the with the son of God. Of yeah. course they would be. And they're embarrassed when Jesus asks, asks them, "What what are you guys arguing about?" Well, yeah. we might have been arguing who was greater than who. Yeah, I think at sixteen, I would have loved to have been called the son of thunder. Right. That would have been right. Primo, <laughs> the nickname given to me by Jesus Christ. That'd be sick. So our young man that we're looking at tonight is named John Mark. And give All you a right. little bit of tradition about him. Um, his family probably comes from Sereni, Uh And there's other people in the Bible What's that come Sereni? from there. Um, it's in North Africa. Oh, okay. It's probably, it's, well, the Bible says it's where the man who carried Jesus' cross came from also, Simon oh. of Sereni. So there's a, there a Jewish... Um, a Jewish area in that that area. So a Jewish community in Northern Africa yeah. called Sereni. Uh-huh. Okay. So John Mark's father, traditionally, we understand that he was a Greek. He married a Hebrew girl, and his mother's name was Mary, uh, but not that Mary. Oh, yeah. Uh, right? That happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's Apparently, everybody in Bible times and New Testament times was named John and Mary. Yeah. There's every, everybody's the named John and Mary. That's right. That's actually hilarious. I wonder what are the two um, like go-to names of right now? <laughs> pa, he would, So when he married her, she would have gone by her Hebrew name, not Mary, but Miriam. Miriam. Oh. Yeah. That's what Miriam? Oh, man. So that's Miriam crazy. is the Hebrew form of Mary. So I named a daughter Miriam. Yeah. Because it was so popular to everybody's name Mary. I was like, well, hey, we'll I'll be the keeper version of that. Yeah, oh. I'll beat the system. There you go. Um, they named their would son. Would she respond to Mary if you called her Mary? No, she would not. <laughs> no. Um, this man marries uh, from Sereni. He marries a Hebrew woman named Mary, um, Miriam. And they named their son a very Hebrew name. Uh, and so his Hebrew name is Johanan, John, but they give him a Greek That's a better way of saying middle name, and the middle name is Marcus. And so we would say John Mark. Um, and you can see it. Johanan so, Marcus. Yeah. Gosh, that's and this, this kid is named John Mark. Um, during that time, though, Sereni is under Roman control. And okay. the population is always an uprising against the Romans. They're always fighting with them. They're, the Romans cannot control these people. Okay. So you can imagine what a family is going to do. What yeah. would you do? Like if there's, if there's constant turmoil in the streets, the Romans can't keep control. There's always a rebellion. Eventually, this fairly wealthy family, they not only have a home in Sereni, she has a home uh, out toward Jerusalem. Okay. So and we know John Mark comes from a relatively wealthy family. Absolutely. Yeah. So okay. this family has multiple homes. They they have a business. Well, eventually they just pick up from Sereni. And we don't know exactly why, but they leave there and they go to Jerusalem and they live now in her hometown okay. of Jerusalem. In his mom's hometown. Yeah. And it seems that by the time that Jesus comes along, the father has died and this mother is now living with her son in this in this home 
in Jerusalem that's where, really important. Where do we get and um, like some of this history in general about like where John came from? Is it from like the Apocrypha? Is it from other just like script um, scripts that were written at the time? Like we where do, does it well, typically so, come from? Well, one, Christian tradition will give us a lot. You can find stuff in... Um, a lot of times we find large historical movements and characters in the writings of, Jose- of Josephus okay, and places like that give us those, um, those background. Church fathers often gave us the, the behind-the-scenes details of what it was that was going on. Church, church fathers, what do you mean Historians, by Historians, Tertullian, um, the, just people that, the, the, Christianity has always been a writing people. And so okay. we've been writing and so we have the scriptures, but we also had people telling us what was going on behind the scenes. But you've got to read them to kind of know who okay. some of these people are. So just like famous, not even just famous, but like oh, yeah, writings from the church leaders mm-hmm. of the day about the disciples, about their families. Exactly. Like they were writing all this stuff down. Exactly. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And we have all that, or at least we have most of it. We have a lot. Uh, what you always look for is the earliest person that writes on something, because over time, tradition changes. Okay. And so you always want to find the earliest accounts of what it is that's. I, I also that's love that on. about Christianity is that the we always try and go back to what's the oldest most mm-hmm. and the oldest form of what what was written exactly. is the most accurate. So we're not just like changing over time. Yeah, yeah. Like, we know that that this family they own this house in Jerusalem. Show you something cool. They um they probably owned the home where Jesus ate Passover. So. Mary owns the house, and this church meets in the house all the time. It's probably the same house where Jesus ate the Passover, the last meal. Wow. Jesus would have washed the disciples' feet. John Mark, can you imagine this teenage boy and the rabbi is there, and he's peeking in as these disciples are eating Passover, as they're talking with each other. So was John um, Mark not one of the disciples? No, he was not one of the disciples. He would have been really too young. So the Mark, so Mark that wrote the book of Mark was... Same was guy. young mm-hmm. in Jesus' day, would have observed everything that took place, but wasn't one of the 12. Yeah, he, exactly. Just imagine a boy tagging along. Hmm. Um, 13, 14, I don't know how old he is, but he just, you know, he lives with his mom, and his mom is um, hosting this Jewish rabbi. Imagine that they're having Passover, and this kid keeps peeking in. He keeps peeking in. What's going on? Well, eventually, they go out to the garden. Jesus takes his disciples to the garden. We have reason to think that John Mark followed them to the garden. Okay. And I'm going to show you why. Um, in the Gospel of Mark, so Mark is the one, of course, that wrote the Gospel mm-hmm. of Mark. There's a weird verse. that So they go to arrest Jesus. And you see it, Selena? This wonderful verse over here in Mark 14, 51. And a young man followed him with nothing but a, but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him. But he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Is that your favorite verse? Is that anybody's oh favorite? Is, why? Why, so don't you, you? Why is that in there? Uh, they go to grab I him. I love that. Isn't it wonderful? And yeah. now I'm going to tell you a little crazy something. That's not in Matthew and that's not in Luke. It's only in Mark. Mm-hmm. But we usually believe that Mark was written first. It's called the priority of Mark. So Mark is written first and it's the shortest. Matthew and Luke had each had access to Mark. And they copied off of him, but they added their own things. That means that about about 85 to 90% of Mark is repeated in Matthew and Luke. Mm-hmm. Every now and then, we get really interested when Matthew or Luke don't include something from Mark, when they skip it. Yeah. And the reason is that it would be something only Mark's hearers would be interested in. Like, it was, it was unique to Mark. For instance, Mark includes um, Simon of Cyrene. 
who um, the the church there that Mark was writing to would have known about. The other authors don't mention uh, the exact person who carried the cross, but Mark's like, "Ooh, we know that guy. Yeah. We know." Uh, why would Mark mention this guy who's in a garden? He's in a lint, like he's in his underwear. They grab him and he shimmies out naked. This is what we think is it's there because it's autobiographical. That was Mark. That was Mark. So Mark okay. sneaks out following the disciples. He watches them in the garden. When everybody's getting arrested, they grab him and he just goes running. He's like Joseph out of his coat. Yeah. He runs and he runs out of there naked. When he writes his gospel, he just puts himself as the streaker in the Bible. Uh, out this kid goes running through the. You didn't know the there were streakers in your Bible. Yeah, you right. Go. There there you and go. He that's ran what, away naked, they said. That's what we've got to teach you, you know? Um, <laughs> today, I was today years old when I learned. And the crazy part is, <laughs> I read the entire book book of Mark mm-hmm. while on duty one night. Cause I was always told it's, it's not like long. This, huh? Yeah, It's not long. It's yeah. the see Jesus, see Jesus run gospel. And it I is. read the entire thing on like a duty one night. And, uh, I don't remember reading that line. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, why didn't I remember that? That's hilarious. Because there, w- there wouldn't be a reason for it to stand out. And, uh, Unless you had the context. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be reading pretty slow later after Jesus dies, um, rises again, ascends into heaven, the early church is meeting. And one of the places we know they met, remember they got kicked out of the temple. So they're meeting in homes. And there, is there any large home in Jerusalem they could meet at? Well, they probably are meeting again at Mary's house, also John Mark's house. Yeah. So his mom and this kid are hosting the early church. Okay. And we know that because there's another scene and this is just putting the story behind the story together. Yeah. Um, Acts chapter 12 Peter is arrested. He's thrown in prison. It says that he's sleeping and an angel came down and struck him. The church is um, at the house and they're praying. I love the scene that the angel hits Peter. Bam. Yeah. You know, like I think when God said, hey, I need somebody to hit Peter. A bunch of angels said, me, 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 me. Like, been- me first. I'm actually yeah. currently outside <laughs> his door. <laughs> can, can I kick him? No, I just need you to hit him. Yeah. Um, the angel strikes Peter and Peter wakes up and he says, you know, he just starts following the angel. It's, it's perfect Halloween stuff. Because the doors of the prison just start opening and they're walking out. They're just walking out of there. They get down to the street and Peter realizes, oh, this isn't a dream. I thought I was dreaming. So he walks to where his church is meeting. Hmm. Check out where it is that they're meeting in um, Acts chapter 12, verse 12. He went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Isn't that cool? So he goes there, he's knocking on the door, and it tells us whose house they're meeting at is John Mark's mother's house, uh, Mary. Oh, wow, yeah. By the way, just a cool little note on John Mark. Um, in the intro to the Vulgate, the Vulgate is the Latin translation of the Bible. Okay. So Jerome translated the Bible into Latin. Uh, when, when, what time period would that have been? Early? I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. That's fine. Um, but I know this, I know that Hippolytus, when he when he was writing the intro to the Vulgate, yeah. um, he said, this is just one of the little notes that he had. So talk about where do we trace stuff down to? Yeah. Hippolytus said that Mark was, um, Mark had a nickname and his nickname was Stubby Fingers. And <laughs> one reason they called him Stubby Fingers was according to him, um, Mark had, ma- as a young man, had maimed his fingers oh, no. to keep himself from having to be forced in. This is like avoiding a draft so that he would not be forced into becoming a priest. And oh, so they, they called him Stubby Fingers because he had done something to his his hand. Whether or not that's true, that's church. church church um, yaya, I guess. Yeah, church <laughs> yaya. But Hippolytus <laughs> is the one offering the the yaya. Yeah. But I just love that scene of the early church meeting in this family's home, maybe the very home where the Lord's Supper was eaten. Took place, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so this is all happening in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Peter was imprisoned in Jerusalem. 
mm-hmm. and then he was uh, awakened by an angel, broken set out, free. set free, um, and then walked to where his church was meeting. And, and so exciting, isn't it? Which is a home. They're yeah. just because they've been thrown out of the temple. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Mark not only has a mom named Mary, there's another family member that's really important to this story. And this guy's name is Barnabas. And Barnabas is super important to the early church. Okay. Um, his name means son of encouragement. And that was his gift was he just encouraged people. He was a, um, he, he was a disciple of Jesus. Uh, in fact, he may have been, you know, he was, I think on the roster of maybe we should choose him to be an apostle. They chose someone else. Oh, right. It was like to replace, um, Judas. Yeah. And so, He's really, really important. What happened is that there was persecution in Jerusalem. So early on in the faith, Christianity was a Jerusalem faith, meaning Mm -hmm. it mostly just was in Israel. It was the movement in Jerusalem. It didn't really spread much further. Um, It was pretty stuck where it was. Persecution came and the church started scattering. Well, as people went, they have to leave their homes. Mm-hmm. They're talking about Jesus. Everywhere they go, they're talking about Jesus. Well, it says that when some of the Jews who believed in Jesus came to Antioch, some of them started talking to Gentiles. And mm-hmm. they started telling Gentiles about Jesus. And the Gentiles, to everybody's surprise, start getting saved. Yeah. Well, the early church are like, wait a minute, what's going on over in Antioch? People are getting mm-hmm. saved over the can. Can people can they even be saved? Yeah. yeah, which is like exactly what we discussed in Galatians for the last uh-huh. few weeks. Can a yeah. Gentile get saved? What are the rules for the Gentile? It's all the stuff you guys just talked about. Yeah, that's what was going on. Was these people and the church in Jerusalem is really suspicious of them. Like, mm. well, how do we know that they're they're really saved? You know, in fact, um, Selena, do you see that there in Acts eleven twenty one? What does it say about these people? These Gentiles and the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed. Turn to the Lord. Well, the church in Jerusalem is super suspicious because they're Jewish and they're like, I don't know. Can these people really get saved? So what they did to go check it out is they need, they're like, we need a spy. We need somebody to just go see if this is real. So who's the most trustworthy person in our church that we could send? Um, They send the son of encouragement. Like you think Mm -hmm. in our church, who's an encourager? Ryan Brown. Grover, right? Um, More than Ryan Brown. <laughs> they, they, they I don't hope he hears this. <laughs> they don't, they don't have Grover. They don't have Ryan, but they have a guy named Barnabas, and so they send Barnabas to the church to check it out. What's going on down there? Well, it says when he got there in Antioch, he's like, "Whoa, this thing is real. These people are really following Jesus." It says that he saw the grace of God. He encouraged them, but as he sees all these Gentiles getting saved, he goes, "Wait a minute." I need some help because I can't do this on my own. I can't be the pastor alone to this giant church that's forming mm-hmm. among the Gentiles. Yeah, I need some help. Well, he starts thinking, who could I get to help me that wouldn't judge these Gentiles? And he goes, wait a minute. What happened to that guy that was on the road and he was going to persecute Christians and then he got hit with light? He goes, <laughs> you know, he's not doing anything important, is he? <laughs> um, in fact, Paul says he spent three years just communing with Jesus. He wasn't really that deeply connected to the church because everybody was scared of him. Barnabas goes, I'm going to put that guy to work. Mm-hmm. We'll make him my associate pastor. Nice. Barnabas goes to Tarsus where Saul is at, and he gets Saul to become his associate. And Saul and Barnabas, begin, can, now, now can you imagine, so this ends up being Paul, yeah. Paul and Barnabas, can you imagine a better ministry team? Barnabas is your pastor. Your other pastor is the apostle Paul. Yeah. Um, these guys will start pastoring the first real Gentile church and making disciples of Jesus. 
yeah, along with them. So I love that that ties back to like our like first or maybe second Galatians episode mm-hmm. where it talks about how uh, Pete, not Peter, sorry, Paul saw himself as the the disciple up to the Gentiles, where Peter was the pillar of the disciples to the Jews, and that yeah. they were needed to be on the same page. And that's like kind of the whole first opening chapter of, uh, exactly. of Galatians. Exactly. Uh, it all ties together. Who would have thought, <laughs> thought the Bible like actually ties together connects. and makes sense? Well, to, that's tie, crazy. to tie that together, Barnabas and Paul are pastoring this church. Who do you think comes along with Barnabas to help him start to check everything out and help him with this church? But his little cousin, John Mark. Nice. So John Mark is there with Uncle Barnabas, or his cousin, they're not uncle, but he's there with his yeah. cousin Barnabas, and they are, he's just part of the start of this this church. Mm-hmm. One day, the early church in Antioch, they are worshiping God, and the Holy Spirit, in the middle of their worship service, it just says the Holy Spirit started speaking. I don't know how that worked. It Probably a prophet got up and just gave voice to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. but the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And so what they did was that, can you imagine if you're in church and your two best leaders, the Holy Spirit says, get, send them on, make them missionaries. And so now the church is not going to have their leaders. They, they've gotten strong enough. Now they need to go be missionaries. Mm, yep. This is the first missions movement of the early church. So it's Gentiles sending missionaries out to reach Gentiles. Mm. So get it? It went from the Jerusalem church, the Jews, out to the Gentiles. Now the Gentiles are going to be reached by a Gentile church. They're going to send out Paul and... Um, and Barnabas and John Mark. Well, what they do is they fast, they pray, they lay hands on them, and out they go. Out yeah. they go to go share the gospel of Jesus in the crazy, this is like the Indiana Jones part of the book of Acts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off they go. Yeah. Um, the first place they land is a place called Cyprus, which you would love. It's mm-hmm. like the Hawaii of the ancient world. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, right. You're in, right, Imran? Sure. As long as I don't have to get in the water. <laughs> um, but it's, it's beautiful. It says in, uh, Acts 13 verse five that Mark, that Mark was helping them. And so okay. it's Paul, Barnabas, John, Mark, they're all on mission together and it's wonderful. They're preaching all over the Island. As you can imagine, people are getting saved. The Roman pro there, the guy that kind of runs the city, you imagine him like a governor or a mayor. Yeah. He hears what's going on and he calls them in. He says, what's, what's going on? They're opposed by a magician, and I'm not kidding. The magician's name is Bar Jesus. Bar Jesus. Bar Jesus. What verse is this? Um, this is in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. All right. Um, he opposes them in front of the proconsul, mm-hmm. and so they're arguing with this guy who's who's awful. And Saul turns around, and he says to Bar Jesus, he says, "You're a son of the devil." And right there on the spot, this guy is struck blind. Oh, wow. Well, obviously, the pro-council is like, I think I believe. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, just an interesting note, Jerome, in the who's you know important to church history, Jerome in the fourth century suggested that when Saul changed his name to, to be a little more Gentile, um, reaching out to the Gentiles, yeah. when he chose the name Paul, he chose it after this guy, Sergius Paulus, who was one of the first people he won to Christianity. Oh. was this pro-council, this Roman pro-council. That's cool. I um, like that. As they travel, they not only go to Cyprus, but John Mark and and Paul and um, Barnabas, they go to Pamphylia. And something incredible happens there that's important to our story. Mm. And that is that John Mark leaves the team. And it's going to scar, it scars your, it's like a scar in your New Testament. You're like, whoa, whoa, something bad happened there. 
Oh, really? Yeah. In fact, Acts 13, 13. So they're in Pamphylia, which is modern Turkey. Um, you see that, Selena? Mm-hmm. What's it What's it tell us happened? And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of like, whoa, why did John? Here was this kid. He was so fired up for Jesus. Um, he's out on the mission field. He sees people struck blind He as they're traveling. Mm-hmm. Something happened on that mission trip that caused this kid to go. Oh no, I'm out of here. Oh wow. Right? No, yeah. Um I I just wrote down, you know, I, I don't know, what do you guys think? Why would he leave? I'm trying to remember what happened in the beginning of Galatians cuz I feel I remember correctly Paul referenced that mm. when he was writing back to Peter and like I think it was cuz like John Mark didn't didn't um agree with the circumcision thing no. that they were dealing with. It is possible that John Mark was part of the circumcision group. Um I I kind of go with some practical stuff, not just um, so that is a, a political. Well, that uh, is a suggestion: piece. is that John Mark disagreed with Paul's views on accepting the Gentiles in without circumcision. Yeah, um, but we're pretty early in the missionary journeys there, and so I just maybe, and if he's much younger than them as well, that's like I think the reality strong view to have. To the realities of missionary life are pretty hard on a young person, so you can idealistically say, yeah. I mean, Mark grew up in a rich home. Um, his mom owned a house, um, multiple homes. Yeah. They own multiple homes. He knows what it is to be fed. Um, he then, his big move is just to go help them pastor this church in Antioch. And now they're out in the wild West. That also kind of ties into what Paul does actually talk about in the beginning of Galatians when he highlights how he was, uh, imprisoned, beaten, mm-hmm. stoned, mm-hmm. um, to bring the gospel and spread it. Like it was not going smoothly. This was not like, <laughs> yeah. just like, oh, well, you know, it's like, ah, uh, Jesus life. and everyone believed. No, it's like, there was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of, um, um, assault and, and, and stuff, trauma they had to deal with. That's so, maybe so that perfectly said, Imran, is yeah. Christianity did not go out smoothly. Yeah. It was a bumpy road. Yeah. Literally it is over the people being stoned and killed and, um, I think that John Mark, just the realities of missionary life may have been harder than he thought it was going to be. Yeah, It's one thing when you guys are sitting around and you're talking at church and the Holy Spirit said, go. And you're like, I'll go with you guys. I want to go to the Hawaii. I want to go to yeah. uh, share Jesus. But, but when you thing. actually get out there and people are getting hit blind and you're opposed and they were headed And to, you might be attacked. It's like yeah. look at ministry today, people going out to... Um, the Middle East, going yeah. out to China, going trying to go out to like North, places like North Korea, where it's like you would be killed, you would be attacked, imprisoned if you. I think uh, he just got scared. Faith. Remember what happened Maybe. on the night Jesus was arrested? He got scared and ran. Um, I think he just gets scared, and some people suggest that he got sick. But mm-hmm. I want to suggest just one more, maybe along with. So he's scared. It's possible that he's struggling with Paul's doctrine that you don't have to circumcise. Um, he misses home. But I think there's one more thing that nobody ever puts on a list of why Mark may have left. And it's this. And I hope people don't tune out as soon as I say this. <laughs> Are you ready? Brace yourself. I'm going to guess. He fell in love. <laughs> <laughs> it was for a woman. That was- would have been wonderful. <laughs> no. I think Paul was sometimes hard to get along with. I think Paul is a type A personality. And there was only one Apostle Paul ever born on planet Earth in all time. He didn't have a personality. He had the strongest, he is a strong cup of coffee. Yeah. And if you notice, we're drinking coffee as we say this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you notice, Paul's missionary team is always changing. And I think one reason is it is hard to be attached for a long time to a strong leader, type A personality, completely sold out to a cause. 
So Paul's attitude is, if we get stoned, we get stoned. God will raise mm-hmm. us from the dead if he wants to. If we get whipped, we get whipped. I am ready. In fact, they said that when Paul was executed, he ran to the chopping block to have his head cut off. Yeah. That's how, and I would just say, when you're a young man just stepping into Christianity and you're near a personality that's that on fire for God, and God used the Apostle Paul to set the ancient world on fire for Jesus. Yeah. But man, when you get that close, you're like, whoa, who yeah. is this guy? It's like, uh, there's just plenty of places in the New Testament where the Holy Spirit is referred to as fire. Yeah. And it's like, Paul is like Paul's the embodiment it. of that fire. You get close to it and you're getting burned. Can you imagine, yeah. John Mark may have been like, man, my mom was a Christian, but she wasn't like this. This guy, he's going to get us killed. Yeah. Maybe. So whatever happened, whether it was sickness, it was doctrinal disagreement, it was just Paul's personality, something bad happened on that trip, and John Mark went home. He Do we just, not know like what he did back in Jerusalem? Uh, we've got some hints hmm. on what happened when we get over there. And so the difficult thing, and this is why... Nice transition, Selena. I like that. That was great. <laughs> the, the reason this is the story behind the story is we now have to piece together what happened to John Mark. Okay. Because the story typically follows Paul. But so if it branches off, we go, what happened to um, John Mark? You know, where did he, where did he go? Well, this is what happened in Acts 15. Paul says to Barnabas, hey, let's go visit some of the places that we went and we shared the gospel. And Barnabas is like, yes, let's go. Let's share Jesus. And Mark and, and, and Barnabas says, you know, I would love to go with you, Paul. And they're so excited. They're talking about it. He goes, um, oh, and and I can't wait. We'll get out there. Well, I imagine they're packing the ship or something's happening. Paul comes out to, with his luggage for the ship and he looks and John Mark is on the boat with Barnabas. Oh, man. And I'm just imagining it this way. But but can you imagine Paul looks up and he's like, what's he doing here? <laughs> and Barnabas is like, he's going with us. And And Paul goes, he ain't going with us. Oh man. And and Barnabas says he's going. And they have this little I don't know this this argument uh, yeah. about whether or not he can Where is this taking place? Um, this is Acts 15 Got verse it. 39. In fact, Selena, do you see it? There arose a sharp disagreement. Yeah. In fact, it was such a sharp disagreement they went two different directions. So Saul goes off on... Man, yeah. So they separated ways from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him Mm -hmm. and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers of grace of the Lord. The brothers to the grace of the Lord. Paul goes off to Syria, and that's where the story follows. The story behind the story is that Mark and Barnabas go to Cyprus. Yeah. So what happened? Uh, Tradition suggests, tradition outside the Bible suggests that for a little while he may have lost his faith. But he had some help. Here's what happened. And we this is just piecing it together. We know that Mark was mentored by the apostle Peter. So he goes home. Remember, Peter's in Jerusalem. Yeah, He's home. He may have had some questions about his faith. But pretty soon, he starts popping up again in Christianity, the mm-hmm. story behind the story. Where he's popping up is with the apostle Peter. And so this is first, first Peter chapter 5, verse 13. Yep, yep, yep. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark, my son. So Peter says, hey, she who's in Babylon, that's Christianity, um, sends greetings. But then he makes mention, someone else is with him. Who's with him? Um, The person with him, Babylon, by the way, would have been um, Rome. So Peter's writing from Rome. Yeah. And so he's probably, he, he may even be in prison in Rome. He's got somebody with him. The somebody he has with him is kind of exciting. 
it's a young man named Mark. This is what it means is at some point, Mark connected up with the apostle Peter and Mm -hmm. Peter began to mentor John Mark. And so they're talking everywhere that they go. Peter is bringing this young man with him, a young man that got kicked off of Paul's missionary team, but he's so eager. Yeah. And Peter's the perfect one to mentor him because Paul's a little hard on failure, but Peter knows what it is to fail. Yeah. So can you imagine if John, if John Mark says, man, I can't believe it. I failed the Lord so bad. I, I left the missions team. Mm-hmm. And Peter would go, son, I know what it is to fail. I denied the Lord three times. Mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, the very night you ran naked through the garden, I stood at a fire and I denied Jesus. Is there a better person to restore John Mark than the apostle Peter? Yeah, I love that. Um, so he attaches himself to Peter. And pretty soon, everywhere Peter goes, this young man, we assume, is going with him. What tradition tells us is that John Mark, the way his faith was deepened and discipled, was he would go around with Peter and he would listen to Peter preach, and he would write down sermon notes as he went. He was just and what would Peter preach? Peter's just preaching Jesus everywhere he goes. He's yeah. telling about what he's he just saw. preaching the gospel. Yeah, he was there, and so it's not that he has to say, "Hey, turn. that's true," because Paul's the the one who's like very Socratic, very well studied, mm-hmm. very because like Peter was a fisherman. You got so it. So he's just preaching what he saw. You got but it. But Paul's the one that went and did all the 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 dirty work of like figuring out how Judaism ties mm-hmm. into modern Christianity, ties into the law, ties into like all that post. Um, post-death stuff that we, I guess, consider our kind of tradition now, That was most of that was figured out by Paul in his studies. Paul and Peter God used in two different ways. So yeah. Paul's our writer. Paul writes letters and they're preserved forever for Christians to draw from. Yeah. Peter's the great preacher of the early church. Yeah. He preached Pentecost. He, he preached all over the ancient world. So he would go, people would fill houses. They would fill a city to hear him preach because... He had seen Jesus. Yeah. He was there when these things happened. Tagging along with him is this kid who's listening, listening, listening to the story I of Jesus. I love that. There's two diff- there are two sides, Peter and Paul, two mm-hmm. sides of an absolutely critical coin. And you can't take, you know, you, you take can't either of them out. Other. Yeah, you need It falls them. apart. You need P- Peter's witness and you need Paul's understanding. Yeah. To really yeah. put the put Christianity together. If you in the ancient world wanted to hear a sermon, you would go hear Peter, not Paul. Uh, if you want to read a letter you would read Paul, not Peter, Yeah, you know, because Paul is just the better writer. Uh, one time Paul was preaching and, and a guy fell out a window and died. And so that's kind of <laughs> rough. No, <laughs> that's kind of rough. Um, Paul was a great preacher, but I just think the gift of preaching really fell on Peter. The, the orating. Yeah. We know that places that they would have gone, um, Peter and John Mark would have gone to Jerusalem, Rome, Galatia, Cappadocia, Bithynia. They're just going all over the place. And think of, I don't know, just think of some of the stories that Peter would have seen and talked about. He would have said, hey, there was a time I was fishing and Jesus was walking down the the path and Mm -hmm. he called me. Or I don't know, what what, what do you think? What are some stories that Peter would have told? I just think uh, of kind of Peter's journey as a man while he was walking with Jesus, because there were several points where he he talks about how he expected Jesus to rise up an army and take Mm -hmm. over Rome. And he's Mm -hmm. like, hey, hey, Lord, when are you going to rise up an army and take over Rome and all this stuff? And, um, and then Jesus kept telling him like the son of man has to die, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, um, he just kept, and it's like, and he didn't understand. And that's right. it's like, the, it says over and over again, the disciples didn't understand. That's right. You know, that's what I think when I think of Peter is his journey and then the understanding that happens, like when Jesus dies and comes back and it's just like, Lord, Lord, you know, that those early, imagine he would have been there. He, he would have talked about walking on water, not 
and they got in the boat. He would have said, we got in the boat and we were out at sea and we were, it's all first person as Peter shares it. Sitting there taking notes as John Mark. This is what we believe happened. The notes that John Mark took listening to Peter preach, he put them together into a single volume of what happened. That volume becomes the gospel of Mark. Yeah. And so the gospel of Mark is based on the preaching of Peter, or we would say the foundation of the apostles. So we say that we, the church is based on the apostles' teaching. It's important that the gospels themselves are eyewitnesses. The eyewitness is Peter. He saw these things happen, and he's out there preaching, and Mark is the writer. He's writing these things down, and God's going to use this young man to, uh, to share the gospel. To preserve the gospel Yeah, forever. Yeah, a couple, couple quotes I just wanted us to, to grab. Uh, one from Papias and one from Eusebius that described the the formation of the um, Gospel of Mark and how he was an eyewitness from Peter. So what do we have first? We have Papias first or Eusebius? Let's do Papias. All right. So this is the first quote. Mark, having become the interpreter of Peter, wrote down accurately whatsoever he remembered. It was not, however, in exact order that he related the sayings or deeds of Christ. For he neither heard the Lord nor accompanied him. But afterwards, as I said, he accompanied Peter, who accommodated his instructions to the necessities of his hearers, but with no intention of giving a regular narrative of the Lord's sayings. Mm. Wherever, wherefore, Mark made no mistake in thus writing some things as he remembered them. For of one thing he took special care not to omit anything he had heard and not to put anything fictitious into the statements. So he listens to Peter preach and he's putting these things together. And then there was a, there's a also just the church father Eusebius also helps us. And he has a little note, a story behind the story. I do. I did want to kind of give a comment on, on what you just read as well. Uh, Cause it, it reminds me of kind of how I, how I teach. Cause um, mm-hmm. a lot of, what I, when I'm teaching my students, I use a lot of the same examples and I I've taught basically the same classes for two years. And when I would teach the students, um, it's like, we may be going through networking. We may be going through C2 applications. We may be going through, um, the Marine Corps planning process or something like that. I use almost always the same kind of examples or similar examples from my time in the fleet, but I definitely didn't recall them all exactly the same way every time I brought out the points in that memory that were relevant to whatever the topic I was talking about, whatever the point I was trying to make in the moment. Mm -hmm. So the events were all consistent. The events were all, um, true as they, as they happened, but the details that were necessary to explain a certain point to a specific student, depending on the audience, right. Because there are different classes over a few years Mm -hmm. that, that would change. Like the necessary detail may have changed over time. It doesn't, it's just interesting because people will bring up like the gospels like, oh, well, there's like inconsistencies in it. And it's like, well, um, just in that quote you read, it's like Mark was writing down what Peter said over a period of time. Um, but Peter brought up what needed to be brought up to make his point in the moment based off of what Jesus yeah. did. But it may not have been in the same order or uh, every time because it wasn't like he was giving a uh, like a testimony to testimony is the wrong word or like a statement to a 
to an officer or something like that, where he needed to go timeline order. He was trying to explain Yeah, he's preaching point. sermons. Yeah, he's and preaching. so somebody has to sit down and put it together on a timeline. Yeah. And I think that's what Mark gives is, you know, I don't know if it was behind the scenes. All right, Peter, give me some order to these stories. How yeah. did this, because I heard you talking about water. Was that before he called you? Oh no, he called me first. And then now what about, I think that they sat together and worked out what order did yeah. these stories fall? Because Peter wouldn't have always preached every story right in order. Yeah, exactly. But the and, gospel puts it together in a in a clean fashion for us. What do we have from Eusebius? A great light of religion shone on the minds of the hearers of Peter, so that they were not satisfied with a single hearing or with the unwritten teaching of the divine proclamation, but with every kind of exhortation they entreated Mark, seeing that he was Peter's follower, to leave them a written statement of the teaching giving them verbally nor did they cease until they had persuaded him, and so became the cause of the scripture called the gospel according to Mark. That's the most doctoral-sounding statement. (laughs) Is that great? That's a big-brain way of writing. I was like, oh. As you were reading, I was like, oh, that's hard to understand. My goodness. Well, think about it. It's awesome. It says, as the people are hearing Peter preach, they're like, we do not want to trust our memory to this. And they look at Mark, and they're like, you got to write this down. you got to write this stuff down. Yeah. And it says they begged him, they entreated him, please write it down. Don't just leave this to our memories. Don't, in fact, don't let Peter die with these stories in him. We got to get this preserved for the next generation of Christianity. Yeah. What if the Lord tarries? What if he doesn't come back in this first generation? How will we tell future generations about what Jesus did if we don't write it down? I, I think something else is fascinating about the Bible is that when the Hebrew, so when not Hebrew, but like when Jews began, like when Abraham was given. Uh, the promise, and then Moses was given the law. The um, written language, as we understand it today, like didn't exist. Like mm-hmm. the he- the uh, Egyptians had like hieroglyphics. Um, the Hebrews had not established a written language by this yeah. point. And Jesus waited until we had a like a no uh, like a written language that could preserve what he did, so that it could be preserved accurately and clearly um, mm-hmm. for the future. Because if he had come before, before. that time, it would have been a lot. We, we wouldn't have such clear, accurate testimony from the time. You know, the book of Galatians says yeah. at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. To but just think about the words at just the right time. When Jesus came, if he'd come earlier, there not a bit, would not have been roads to carry the gospel out of that area. Yeah. Uh, but the Romans came, they built roads, they gave laws. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a common currency, so there was travel was possible. Yep. Um, and and the, at that the entire known world at that time was connected because Rome yeah. had taken over and and, and they were connected by language too because the Greeks had just come before them and get, given the whole ancient world the Greek language yeah and so the New Testament was able to be written in a language that everybody could and it read. could rapidly expand so it just gave way to this yeah it's it's like the whole thing was planned by the <laughs> oh, Holy man, it Spirit. only makes sense that's crazy <laughs> isn't that exciting wait God had a plan oh snap oh, that's, that's crazy so cool. Mark wrote down the first gospel. We call that the priority of Mark, Mark first. Even though in your Bible, the order is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the writing of it would have been Mark, Matthew, or Luke, and the last written would have been John. John. But the priority of Mark is that he was the first one and that the others copied off of him and added their own own unique details. Um, That's important. So this primary gospel uh, is coming out from, from Peter. And the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke, same. Mm-hmm. So same optic, same, um, the gospels that all sound kind of the same are coming from a similar source with unique details each. 
And so Luke would have had some unique details. He has the story of Jesus' birth because he interviewed Mary. He's got unique stuff, information that he adds. Um, Matthew has unique information, but they're all drawing out of Mark. And so we call that the the priority of Mark. Yeah. And it's just, Mark is just action-packed. It's not as refined as um, Matthew and definitely not as clean as Luke. Luke really cleans things up, gives the medical terms, things like that. Mark just uses, it, it's, it's action-packed. His favorite word is immediately. And immediately Jesus got out of the boat and immediately a man came at him. Yeah. And immediately you're just going, bam, 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 bam. Uh, thing after thing is happening which, in the gospel. Which based Mark. off how you described his life up to that point, <laughs> a, a, a man who um, as a boy saw Jesus as Jesus was kind of doing um, yeah. his thing, saw him be arrested um, a few a few years past, and then he joins up with Paul and Barnabas and he's traveling around with them. And then he leaves from Paul and Barnabas and he joins with yeah. Peter and then he's going around with Peter for a while. And then he almost goes back with Paul and then ends up not, and, or and then he's going off with Barnabas for a while as well. And it's like, that is, he didn't slow down. Mm-hmm. He didn't, there mm-hmm. wasn't a, it's like, and he took a break to go to formal Hebrew school to learn how to write well. Like yeah. he was just <laughs> with, yeah. with Peter and, and Paul and Barnabas the whole time getting all of this information. Yeah. Who yeah. better to choose that would God choose to put the gospel together than this young man that saw these things, heard all this preaching, was moving yeah. in the circles of the early church, and God chooses this kid uh, to write the gospel. Yeah. I want to show you something wonderful, and that is that Mark was restored to Paul. Go, what happened? But because there's another little story behind the story, isn't there, guys? That something happened. Yeah, the split between between Mark and Paul. Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Did they did they ever reconcile? Um, we know that Paul commended the Colossian church to welcome Mark. And so at some point they're back together. So Colossians mm-hmm. chapter four, verse 10, um, Paul says, hey, welcome, welcome Mark. You're like, wait, wait, what, what happened? We also know that a little bit later, he's with Paul when he's in prison, when the book of Philemon is written. And so Mark is mentioned at the very end of his life. The last letter the apostle wrote is second Timothy. And second Timothy, you see it down there, Selena? Mm-hmm. Verse, verse chapter 11, four. Chapter, chapter four, four. verse 11 of Second Timothy mentions this guy. And so Paul's in prison now. He's probably waiting uh, for the final end. And he makes a request of Timothy that he wants to see someone. Watch what happens. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. That is beautiful. Earlier, Mark was not useful to Paul for ministry. Paul was like, you can't do ministry with me. You you got to go to another church, man. Like, <laughs> can't we, keep up. Yeah, you got to keep up, man. You like you might leave the team. You broke it. Whatever happened broke back there. What's beautiful are these two men have restored with one another. Yeah. Interesting. And so John, John Mark um, is once again with the apostle, um, with, with the apostle Paul. And at the end of his life, Paul says to Timothy, hey, would you send me John Mark? And I love the line. He says, he's useful to me in ministry. And I just agree with that line. To me, John Mark is useful to me because there's not a day that goes by that I don't read something Mark wrote because he wrote about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And every day I read something Mark wrote to me about Jesus. You know, That's absolutely awesome. It is, isn't it? Um, Well, what happened? What happened to John Mark? Um, Just tell you a little bit of what we know happened at the end of his life. We know that he ended up, he gave everything for Jesus. So Peter, it is taught, uh, Peter asked him to go and preach in Alexandria, which is in North Africa. Uh, And 
Mark, there's a whole tradition in North Africa about what happened to Mark. He traveled all over, all over North Africa. He was preaching about Jesus, Mark was. Uh, he went to Alexandria, and there in Alexandria, he really found a congregation of people that believed in Jesus. They built a church, and the church they built is called uh, the Cattle Pasture. So we go to Palms Baptist, they went to the Cattle Pasture. I like that. That's the name <laughs> of their church. That's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it just had this huge influence on Coptic Christianity. Coptic Christianity is there in Egypt, and that area of, um, of Christianity was called Coptic Christianity. Uh, it had already been influenced by Jesus because if you remember, Jesus and his family fled to that area when they were hiding from Herod. Now oh, yeah. missionaries and um, so now missionaries come and they're sharing. This is while he was uh, while he was young, right before he went when back Jesus to Jerusalem was. on on purpose. Yeah, before well, he was uh, baptized by John, exactly. John Baptist. Exactly. John uh, so the he Baptist. was raised. Jesus was raised in Nazareth, but when he was a baby, they hid him um, out outside of Israel for yeah. that reason. But now. Imagine the gospel goes to Alexandria, it goes to North Africa, and he's preaching. Um, what, we, what we're told by Christian history is that unbelievers became angry because people were turning from the pagan gods and they were hearing the message of Jesus. One day, Mark was preaching in his church and a mob just forced its way in. They put a rope around his neck and they were shouting, drag him into the fields where the cows graze. Which is an interesting line. He, he pastors the church of the cattle pasture. They're like, yeah. let him die. Let him die out in the cattle pasture then. Uh, they bound his feet up and they dragged him through the fields. That night they threw him in prison, bleeding and half dead because he'd been dragged all day through the fields. Yeah. The next day, again, they, um, they took an animal, a beast of burden, and they just dragged him through the fields again. They wanted to burn him, but he died before they could burn him. And so they, they had dragged him to death. What's interesting? This was, this, this was in North Africa in that church. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was, was around where he was born too? It was actually, yeah, similar area. So he, it, there's a sense that he's home preaching the gospel and they just hate him. Uh, what's interesting is when he died, those that were there then testified that it began to rain. And as if you're not going to burn this guy. Um, God just allowed him a, a peaceful death. So this wow. is how, wait, I'm confused. Is this how John Mark died? It is. Okay. Yeah. So John Mark was preaching in his church. The mob broke in. They dragged him and, um, and they were going to burn him, but yeah. they couldn't burn him. He, he died and then it just started raining. Mm. Wow. Phenomenal. Um, Is that how you want to go out, Pastor? Dragged <laughs> out of your church and... I, I, I wasn't shooting that direction, but I mean, if we have to, <laughs> we'll do we have to. Is that where America's headed? I don't know, honestly, at this point. <laughs> right? That's rough. It's a... Uh... It's a crazy time to be. I just wanted here. to. Uh, we you think about a young man like Mark, and I, if I could, I don't know how many. You know, there's so many young people that are committed to Christianity in a great way. Yeah, I, I would. I tell Selena all the yeah. time that our young adults ministry at the church is like the most. I think the most powerful, and like in terms of like witness, I love yeah. them so yeah. much. I love pastoring a young church. Um, even though you guys have ideas that are young and fresh and I'm like, what? We're doing what? You're like, please, it's too fast. <laughs> but too it, much. I would say that I, well, I hear other pastors complain about young people in Christianity. I'm so encouraged by the young people. Yeah. I think Christianity has a great generation stepping forward. Mm -hmm. And I just, maybe at the end of the, I just want to. The fun to, part of it is it, it must, it must for yeah. all time until Jesus returns, have a great young adults amen like yeah. group if it doesn't then it dies amen mm -hmm. yeah. and they're very active like 
they got a hike coming up this Saturday. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's right. Like little things like that. Let's meet. They did a breakfast, breakfast a week or two ago. And it was, it was good. Intimate. I saw pictures yeah. of you cooking. Oh, yeah. They got me uh, burning sausages. It was great. I wanted to just offer some, maybe just some things to young people. Can I, I just say this to young people. Um, I'm So I'm not young anymore. I'm turning 50. You guys are young. Aww. So I'll just look at you when I say it. I appreciate it. Uh, I would say this with all my heart. I just want this generation to run hard toward Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Run hard. And it's what I see you guys doing. I see you here. You step into a new military base. You jumped into your church. And everywhere there was to serve that you could serve to your, serve your church, even sacrificially, you've done it. And to me, you're a model of what what people should be doing in their church um, is serving the Lord. Because I think you would agree with this. The gospel is the most important thing on earth. It's more important than our careers. It's more important than this military base. Yeah, The gospel is the most important thing, and God is moving his gospel forward. Um, I would also say just to young people um, that the mission of Jesus is worth your youth. And mm-hmm. sometimes people are saying, look, when I get older, I'm going to commit to Jesus when at some point, and you know what? You don't know how long you've got. And yeah. it's worth it. It's worth it to serve Jesus while you're young. You're not going to look back and say, oh, you know, people that think someday I'm going to serve Jesus is not like they look back and go, I'm so glad I spent those years drinking. Yeah. I'm so glad I spent those years at the party. But people that serve Jesus, they look back and they're like, I'm so glad. Remember those great times we had serving the Lord. Mm. Something that um, I always, not always, but uh, I, I do think about often from uh, Jordan Peterson's On Marriage series. And um, regardless of how, how you feel about Jordan Peterson, he does uh, have some incredible uh, writings of like kind of just like what's an effective way to live mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. One of the things he talks about is how t- is that you should be living with your future self in mind. You should be living in oh, service to your future self. So if you that's are right. living and you look at yourself as one who is um, not self selfish, like to be selfish is to just be focused on right here and right now. It's actually extremely selfish to not consider your future self mm-hmm. because everything you do now has impact on your future self. So if you're living with your future self in mind, you should be thinking about what am I doing today that when I um, am old in age, am I going to look back and be appreciative? What am I oh, doing to good. make sure that I'm surrounded by those that I love with a family that loves me with people that care for me. And so I can look back and know that I lived a life worth living. And if you're not doing things now that are in service to that future self that you want, then you're ultimately going to be, you're ultimately actually truly selfish. Like that is true selfishness is even a betrayal of yourself. And let's step it forward. One more, one more step. Someday you'll stand before Jesus and he'll ask you, what did you bring me? What did you do for me? How did you serve me? Yeah. Uh, and the greatest thing you that he can say is well done, good and faithful. Yeah. You know, I, I, w- I would say the, the, the highest honor you can receive is to be a good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The highest yeah. honor. You know, those are say, all your rewards are tied to that. That he would say you did good. Yeah. I also want young people to know this. You're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. John Mark messed up. He left the mission field. He blew it. Um, and I think it's important to know that, that, Hey, you're not going to hit, you're, you know, you're not going to just hit constant home runs. Um, I've messed up. I've messed up at Palms Baptist. I've made mistakes. I made, and yet you can be defeated by those mistakes and say, Ooh, I, I just shouldn't be. Or you can say, hey, I'm going to learn from this and grow from this. Yeah. Um, the other big thing I just want young people to know. It's like you can give up or you can be under grace. Yeah. Which is what you're called which to is be. 
Galatians. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm about hyped up on Galatians right you now. Are, so you are. It's oozing. If it's you saw the goo just oozing out, it says Galatians. It's all Galatians, G. Galatians. Galatians. <laughs> just oozing out. One more thing I want young people Which to know. Which is not know. a bad thing. I want you guys to know you need mentors. And so I worry about churches. I'm, I'm, look, I love Jesus Church. I worry about churches that have a target. We're going to reach old people. We're going to reach young people. We're going to reach this demographic. The Church of Jesus has no demographics. Yeah. Breathing. Our mm-hmm. demographic. And <laughs> a church needs to have some young people that are kind of rocking the boat. And it needs to have some old people that give us some stability, the Grovers that you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some people mentoring you. And there's be, and and young people bring energy to a church. I learned recently about Pastor Grover that he was uh, an airman in the Air Force. And he uh, worked on B, B-52 bombers. <laughs> Before he uh, before he ended up becoming a pastor after getting out of the Marine Corps, nice. and I'm like, this man is the coolest person I've ever met. And I had no idea. Not only that, he's the coolest person ever. He worked construction for years, and his job was moving houses, and so they would load them onto these trucks and move them across town. And so he's the what if. He says, you know, you've got to go look, and you're looking at a bridge. Like, can the house go under that bridge? What's the other route? What if? Will the pole, what about those telephone lines? Are we about to bump those? Mm. All that was stuff that Grover would think about. That man, it what. I, it's like it, I've met him as a pastor mm-hmm. and you only know what you know. So I assumed he had always been a pastor. Yeah. Right. But like to just learn a little bit about his history and literally a five minute conversation yeah. outside. I was like, this man is clearly the most interesting person I've ever right. met. And I had no right. idea. Like, do not, do not, do not look at the old uh, among you and think that they are less than like Amen. they have lived an entire life. What does that mean? It means that they have, decades of experience, decades mm-hmm. of wisdom that you can learn from. So one of the reasons we broke our church up a little different, a lot of churches do Sunday school where they have age graded. So it doesn't make sense to me. You take all the old people and you put them in a room. So all the wisdom's in one room. They take all the young people and put them over here. And and instead what we did was, hey, let's have a marriage group. Let's have a young adults group, but we're not separating them out. We want there to be more mixture in the church than some churches yeah. experience. And so we're just trying, sometimes in a marriage group, you need some old married people, some young married people. Uh, in a men's group, you need some old guys and some young guys. Yeah. In a women's group, you need some older ladies and some younger ladies. And so we we broke the church up in Bible study groups a little different. So that than, age isn't a factor. We mm-hmm. tried not. So we do have a young adults group because yeah. they're going to go out and do hikes and stuff like that. But it was never our intention to as deeply. But still, it's a broad age range. It's it 18 to 32. Like that's yeah. a good range of people mm-hmm. that um, that that have lived life. Like to be, I would argue exactly. that to be in your uh, late twenties and thirties, you've lived life a little bit compared to the eighteen-year-olds. And I know for a fact that the eighteen-year-olds that I teach now in entry-level training, they look it's at different. me and they were like, "Sir, you are so old." And I'm like, "Please, <laughs> please, oh gosh, don't just hit me like that. That's crazy." Oh, I'm grinning ear to ear. <laughs> Like, I, oh, I'm only 28. And it's like, like oh, God, but that's 10 years. <laughs> yeah, Captain Trapp was like, we don't call that anymore. When yeah. I, I was younger than you when I came to pastor this church. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Um, and here I am trying to well, figure you, myself out. You shave your head so we can't see if you have any gray hair, Emery. Well, why do you think I shaved my head? <laughs> <laughs> it's I true. Had, I had a tiny, tiny little, it's not even a bald spot. It's just really? an area where the hair started to thin slightly. And I was like, I'm done with hair. Wait, wait, turn, let me see the back of your head. You can't see it. You literally can't see it. It's just an area where the hair is grows slightly slower than the rest <laughs> of my head. It's not actually bald. It's just grows slower. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm done. <laughs> I look good with a beard and, uh, and my head shaved. So when I get a Marine Corps, that's going to be my thing. Like Terry Crews, yeah, just so bald head funny. with a 
with try to be a big black dude with the beard and the and the shaved head. Summer, <laughs> if, if I could summarize Mark this way, just the big picture. Here's a young man who started out just following Jesus, chasing behind the disciples. He was early in the church. He was there when they went out on the first missionary journeys. Mm -hmm. He left and he messed up. But the person that discipled him was the apostle Peter. And out of that mistake, he goofed. He left the missionary team. God took him, discipled him through Peter. And out of that, we get the gospel of Mark. Yeah. Yeah. How beautiful. And I don't know when the last time you were just filled with passion for God, I think the Gospel of Mark is a passionate gospel. I think the the man that is Mark is just like an incredible, Isn't he awesome, an incredible journey of like a, a human being. Here's a man that died for his faith. He was dragged for his faith, and you were like, "Hey, what was it you said? Is that what you're going to do?" Like, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, it, but I respect I respect that so much, and we are all supposed to be willing for that. You know? Yeah, I always think back at one the persecution as like all the persecution that you see in Acts. Like Christianity did not just expand outward easily. It was, mm -hmm. it was, um, the disciples, it was early church leaders that were doing the hard gritty work to spread the faith. And it's like, why were they yeah. doing that? Because they believed it because it's easy when it's true. That's right. It's so easy when it's true. You know, Brian talked about, um, um, he asked like, you know, one of the, uh, like chat GPT, you know, is Christianity real? And chat GPT's response to him was that, um, I don't know if it's true, but when you look at all of the resources that I have available, um, it's very unusual that something like that took place and nothing like that has taken place since. And that is the only religion that spread from a point and didn't come after, yeah. um, after yeah. a point. So it's like Jesus, Jesus dying is where Christianity started and it grew immediately from that point. It wasn't something that was established later based off the life of someone X, mm -hmm. Y, and Z. It was like the moment Jesus was raised from the dead. It was and Christianity how quickly was born. It, it spread. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. oh yeah, and also the rapidness of it, mm -hmm. how quickly it spread it's important. is unique, extremely unique to Christianity. No other religion is it's like it's important that. that these things happened in generation one. So Christianity isn't two hundred years and then people started following someone that was dead. It needed to happen in the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. Yep. Peter saw Jesus crucified. He saw Jesus raised again. Um, and he would give testimony to his death. John Mark would have known if it was all a lie. And yeah. yet he gave testimony to his death that these things were, mm -hmm. were true. And, and almost all of the disciples did. I think, yeah. who, who's the only one that died of old age? John? Was, yeah, the John's the only John, one that died they, of old age. They boiled him and threw him up. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't really a get-rich-quick scheme. Yeah. You know? But that's important. It's important to our story and our faith that this happened from generation one. We didn't make up a tale as it went, yeah. but we always reach back the deepest we can to the original sources. Yeah, exactly. I truly appreciate that. And oh, this was only the first one. And we're I'm gonna like, have so oh, much we're, fun. We're going right into like all the things I truly love about real Bible stories. Right? Me too. This is fun. Yeah, it's 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 a good time. So I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. And um, we've got what well, maybe like five or six more that we're going to do over the course of the next couple of weeks. But um, this is it. This is the bread and butter of real Bible stories. We finished up our deep discussion into the history surrounding um, Galatians, the uh, the context around how Paul wrote and why he wrote it the way that he did. And now we're going to learn about kind of the biographies about some of the some of the people that we know to be in the Bible. You've you've just We've just scratched the surface and I, oh man, what a scratch. I love it. I love it. This is great. 
So um, thank you so much, Pastor David, for oh, coming I on so this week. Oh, I had so much fun just seeing you. I love hanging out with you guys. Yeah. And now you have to go pick up your kids from I Awana. Do. I got to go to Awana. Yep. Um, and if and I guess we'll, we'll tie in there that um, if you're in the 29 Palms area, 29 Palms, California, the Joshua Tree area, and you're looking for a home church, you're looking for a church that has a strong youth ministry, a strong young adults ministry, um, we've got... Um, We've got Palms Baptist Church as a home for you, for your family. If you're on the base out here, like come, come check us out. We uh, we want to love on you. We want to share God with you. Um, but um, this is just this is just what I love right can, here. Can I it's tell you great. just? I know we're wrapping up. Tell you something about church. I think yeah, is important. Up? Somebody said, "What's the most important thing we as a church give the military?" It's not. It's not. Look, we want to have a deployed ministry. We want to have the most important thing Palms gives the community and the Marine Corps is it's a real church. So we're not a service. We don't just put it, we're a real church with real problems. And yeah. so they come and military come and they involve themselves in a real church. There's real ministry happening. Yeah. There's real problems on the ground. And for some, some young people, this is the first church they've served in since the youth yeah. group. They're walking from youth group to boot camp to into Palms Baptist. And this is the first church where they're treated as adults. Yeah. And they're not given a service. They're and a invited. church that consistently has needs because yeah. of kind of its rotating mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. It's... I've talked to Ryan about this, that there is a kind of a a peak point that Palms can get to because of PCS season, because, you know, almost a a quarter of the church rotates every year. We're going to put you to work. And so so you come in and there is a, there's a women's ministry director probably needed at that time. There's a men's ministry director probably needed. So one of our gifts to the community probably needed. Our gift is that it's a needy church. Hey, yeah. we need people. Exactly. We, are, we, we need people giving to the church financially. Yeah. We need people giving You're looking giving for a place their, to serve? Oh, serving, man. Serving, yeah. Mm-hmm. Serve, 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 because there's always, there's always something that, that can be done. And within the talents that you've been given, whether that's the ability to sing, play an instrument, work sound, um, build bulletins, even work on the church sign, even drive a bus. Like the, so, those so are all needs that the church has. In your little short time here at 29 Palms, what are some of the stuff you guys have involved yourself in? Because it's big. And oh, I've always God. wanted to count this down with you a little oh, bit. Oh, goodness. Um, so, uh, Dave, I guess you can go first, Selena. Sure. Oh, we're doing both or each? You go, yeah, you go through. Go ahead. Um, okay. So, started off with the video. Mm-hmm. With and, Becca, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Ashley, yeah. The video testimonies. Uh huh. And then. Graphics, just doing graphics because yeah. I enjoy doing that. So social media stuff, the podcast. Yeah, photography as well. Do you remember you were doing, yeah. we were doing social media posts and they were kind of just these generic things. And yes, pastor, I your, do remember that. Your line to me was, we got this pastor. And I just thought, they've got it. They've got it. It's it's their church. I'm going to let them have mm-hmm. it. And it's been beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we just, we, it was more like just showing what the church was already doing. Mm-hmm. That's it. Just yeah. capturing that and putting it out there. Yeah. yeah. And I guess for me, my big thing, I walked in, uh, I, I'm a big sound guy. I hope you can tell by the production of this podcast that I've tried to make it sound very nice. Um, but I walked in, I didn't like how things sounded. And I, and I immediately, it's like same, same service, like you finished did. service, went over and you was did. like, Ashley, hi, my name is. Can uh, can I please help with this? And I appreciate the trust that she put in me because she gave me like the, the codes to the building like yeah. the same day. And I spent every night there Her for about. Her text to me that Sunday was, yeah. I think I'm in love with this couple. She said, <laughs> they just came in and they're ready to serve. I, she said, I can tell they just love the Lord. What? Aw. Yeah. And that was. Um, the story behind the story, Selena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. First time I'm hearing that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait, she likes us? That's crazy. But um, I spent like every night for the first seven days. They're just trying to get to a place where I felt that it was stable and try to understand what was going on as well. 
And then it went into the sound treatment plan, which took about uh, two years to kind of get all the way across the finish line, but we got it done. The lights, we redid all the lights inside the church. Yeah. That took about a year or so to get done, and we got that done. Um, the podcast that we, that we started up, um, like dozens of, I guess, smaller smaller things, like just being a part of the couple's ministry, well, going to those different events. Oh, this, uh, this, yeah. So Selena's oh, big yeah. thing was that she she <laughs> that was- she basically rebranded like like the the church was trying to modernize kind of like how it presented itself in its brand, and and Selena built this huge design for the church sign, and now that's the church sign that you see up on um, on the campus, and this the logo she came up with with so good is that you know it's a good logo because you see it on everything, you you know that your logo is good if people use it without you asking. You know, and here's so here's what's neat. Here's a military couple comes into their church. And you guys just jumped in. And everywhere, instead of saying we're looking for a perfect church, you're like, ooh, you guys have a problem with your sound. Let me help you. Hey, yeah. you guys, and each place that there was a problem, you said, here's a community of believers I can walk with. It's not that they're perfect. They need help. And I'm here to be part of that. Yeah. And that's been my, I guess, my thing ever since. I, I've actually, I actually, there was a point where um, I was like, uh, I think it was like right after you finished the sound, I was like, is, I, is that it? It's like, have I... <laughs> have I culminated? Have I done all the things that I wanted to do at Palms and now it's time for me to move on to another church? I don't know. And that was also around the time that I was, that I said, it's like, I think it's, it's time for me to get out of the Marine Corps as well. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, but I'm every, every, I'm trying to continue to do everything buy a house. that I can. Just buy a house out here. I tried. It's too expensive. <laughs> we, we looked and we're like, this place is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love you guys so much. All right. Yeah, we love you too, Pastor. This has been great. This, that was a little peek behind the curtain of kind of, we haven't done a life update in a while. But, um, but I know I'm tearing go. up over here. Oh, <laughs> we're still here. Yeah. He's also getting like a, probably a thousand text messages from yeah. his daughters at this point. But um, until next week, uh, we hope you enjoy this, the, enjoyed this episode of Real Bible Stories. I hope you're on fire for learning the story behind the story as we uh, kind of go through this series with Pastor David. All right. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Real Bible Stories. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to leave a review, share, and subscribe to be notified each week when we upload new episodes. Real Bible Stories is produced in partnership with Palm Church in 29 Palms, California. If you would like more information or want to check out archived sermons and Bible studies, please check out the church website at palmsbaptistchurch.com or check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Real Bible Stories can be found